Good evening, everybody. It's mission accomplished for the Eskimos on Saturday night. A win, a convincing one at that over the Montreal Alouettes, 40-24 to on the Brickfield at Commonwealth Stadium. We'll spend the next 30 minutes or so talking Eskimos football with the head coach, Jason Moss. Jason, I called it a convincing win. Did you see it that way as well? Yeah, I thought so. I thought our team played extremely well um, all night um, from start to finish. I thought it was a good football game. I thought they played us tough. Um, you know, obviously made us earn it. And... Uh, you know, that's what you want every week. You want to be in battles, and I thought our guys battled through. And, and like I said, I was very pleased with our performance. Can we get better? Absolutely. I don't think any of us are satisfied where we are right now, but uh, getting a victory in this league is very difficult to come by. So when you work hard during the week, particularly off the week we just had with a tough loss, you know, it was nice to rebound at home and, and play good football. You mentioned every victory is tough to get in the Canadian Football League, but this is kind of a tough situation when you're playing a team with a with a one and seven record. If you if you lose, everybody's all over you. If you win, you say, "Well, you just beat the last place team in the league." So it's kind of a it's got a weird vibe to a game like that. Yeah, I think, and that's why you don't concern yourself with what other people think about the win. And obviously, yeah, there is pressure. Um, pressure in this is losing at home and losing in the West is not a good thing. So you know you got to keep winning. And at the end of the day, though, we focused on ourselves and wanted to play good football, like I said. And so you don't worry about your opponent. You just say, I don't care who we're playing. We just want to play well. And we feel like if we play our brand of football and we play well, we're a tough out for anybody in our league, whether it's a last-place team, first-place team. I know you're concerned about yourself and not the other team, and I know you also look at the scoreboard a little bit. Pretty good weekend for you in the standings, wasn't it, when you look at the other scores? Yeah, I mean, you know, you you don't want to ever put yourself in a position where you have to worry about those things, but at the end of the day, we are where we are. So we have, we're competing for a spot. We want to get to the playoffs. It's your first goal, and the easiest way to do that is by winning and having other teams in your league in, in your division lose. And so, yeah, I mean, overall, the weekend was probably a perfect perfect deal, and you know, it gets us close to our goal. Uh, I was impressed with Montreal, the way they hung around. Uh, you guys built up the 10 nothing lead and uh, looked in control uh, in the early stages of the game, but uh, they, they didn't have much quitting them. No, I mean, they played hard. They've played hard all year. I think, you know, they've beaten Sask at Sask. They played Calgary tough. They've had a couple games at home that probably aren't their best games, uh, but they played Cal Ottawa very tough on the road. Um, and that's with you know their offense and Trevor Harris putting up big numbers, but they got key op key turnovers and battled all night. And they have a, real, a lot of really good players and coaches, so it, it, it's not an easy out. I mean, and like I said, in this league, if you don't play well against anybody, you aren't winning those games. And so you know to to play good football against anybody, you know, is, is a good thing. You made a couple of moves on your offense, and uh, one dictated by injury, another was a, was a little bit of a ratio shift, but uh, they both paid off really well. First, let's uh, talk about uh, Bryant Mitchell and his impact on the football game. Uh, very patient man he is to wait for his opportunity, and it seems like over the last two or three seasons when he gets that chance, he really takes advantage of it. Yeah, Bryant's been nothing short of spectacular, basically, when he's been on the field for us. I mean, he's he's done his job and then some. I think he's put his name right up there with, you know, the best receivers in our league when he plays. I mean, he, his contribution to the game is very evident when he's out there. He's just up there with everybody. His problem is just staying healthy. When he's had his opportunities to shine in training camp and win a job, he's been nicked with the injury bug. and. You know, that's helped slow his progress and slowed his uh, progression to become a starter for us. We absolutely know he's a starter in waiting. And anytime one of our big guys goes down, he's going to step in admirably and, and, and do the job and then some. Um, so, you know, for, for Bryant to be as patient as he has been and to 
continue to work and have a positive out, outlook and attitude is shows a lot about his character and who he is. And um, we're, we're obviously thrilled that he's here and, and continuing to be the way he has been. Um, and obviously you always root for guys like that, that do it the right way and then ha have success. Ton of yak in the game too. I mean, he's a guy who's got good hands that uh, he knows what to do with his feet after he catches the football. Yeah, he's a hybrid. He's a little bit like, you know, if you took all of our receivers and put them into one guy, I mean, he, he's got a little bit of everything. I mean, he can stretch the defense with speed. He runs good routes. He's got hands. He's got great catch radius. He's a big physical receiver too. So he's, he's good enough to get in the box and block people. Um, and his yak, he doesn't. He has, uh, he's tenacious. He doesn't. He has a lot of will and doesn't want to go down uh, with first contact. He always looks to extend the play. So um, there's lots to love about uh, about him. So like I said, you know, he's got to be patient uh, during the year. But when when he, when the opportunities come his way, he's always been been there for us. The other change you made was at the running back spot with the injury to C.J. Gable. Uh, Shaq Cooper came in, and uh, you can't argue with his numbers. Uh, assess the the way he played in the football game, 100 yards plus and a touchdown. Yeah, I mean, he was kind of what we felt like he could be and without seeing it live, um, you know, other than the preseason games where it was a short, you know, small amount of uh, reps. You know, you can never tell what a guy's going to be like when it's his starter and everything's on his plate. Um, but when you see him in practice and you see the cuts he makes in practice and you see the speed he has and possesses um, and his ability to understand our offense and understand the protections, you know, I mean, he he played, I mean, about as good of a debut as you could have as a back. I mean, I thought he caught the ball well. You know, he made hard, tough, short yardage runs. He made, you know, a couple big runs that not everyone can make. Um, he showed his speed, his elusiveness. Um, a little bit of his package, and uh, again, he stepped in and blocked when he needed to. That's the one thing I know he'll tell you he needs to get, you know, that's one thing that just communication-wise between him and the receivers um, and the other running backs, they just got to be better at that, but that comes with time. That doesn't happen overnight, so I'm not discouraged at all by anything he did on the football field. Everything he did, he'll learn from and get better from. All that being said, I'm sure you're glad to see C.J. Gable back on the field today at practice. Yeah, I mean, C.J.'s our guy and, you know, will be. I mean, as long as he's healthy, he's a load to bring down. Again, he has the cut ability. He has cuts in his repertoire. He catches the ball. He blocks as good as any back in our league. Um, you know, so that's paramount for us in our offense is to be able to do that. So, no, I mean, C.J.'s obviously done exactly what we've, we've wanted him to do this year. You know, when he's had... To carry the load, he's carried the load. When we've asked to do other things, he's done other things. So, uh, again, another guy that's, you know, committed to the team and committed to the overall ability for us to win. Nine penalties for 105 yards, an improvement. Uh, talk about your discipline and what you thought in that game under your average for the season, but probably still a little higher than you want to see it. Yeah, I mean, absolutely higher than we want to see. Is it a start in the right direction after we talked about it all week? Yes. Um, you know, we're, we're always striving for perfection. And again, I don't talk about the ones that the referees call because the referees call the game how they see it. Um, it's the pre-snap penalties again, the altercation with Mercy, you know, those types of things that we got to stop. And if you look at that, we would have had three less penalties. We'd have been down to six, which is probably about right. Uh, you know, the best teams in our league are around there. So, you know, if we can continue to do that, um, we'll be a much better football team um, and it's something we're striving for. And again, it's a challenge to our players, and I know they accepted it. 
and obviously this week we were a bit better. It's a good night for Booster Juice anyway uh, on, on one of the penalty calls. Uh, I guess you're like everybody else wondering about the inconsistency of that call, and I don't know if uh, if anyone's going to reach out to the league and talk to them about it, but what we saw over the weekend with a couple of different celebrations, completely uh, different calls made in certain situations. I don't Personally, I don't think that Duke's celebration, there's anything wrong with it. I mean, he, he crawled through an advertising. It didn't, was out of the play. It was quick. It didn't hurt anybody. It didn't, uh, as you talked about after the game, it didn't kind of demean anyone. Uh, just, a, just a weird weekend that way with those two celebrations especially. Yeah, I mean, right now the letter of the law by the CFL is if you use a prop, it's a penalty. And so whether you think a TV camera is a prop or a booster juice signs a prop, to me they're props and they probably should be penalized accordingly. Um, I don't care about what the other games were. They, Like I said, the referees call the game the way they see it. Um, in our circumstance, that's a penalty. Our guys can't do it. Do I hope the league looks at it and changes the rule? Sure. If you want my opinion, I think it should be changed. And, you know, I don't think you're showing anybody up when you're doing something like that. I'll tell you my opinion that when players get make a catch and drop, drop the ball in front of a player, that shows up a, a, the other player way more than what our players did. You know, and so, and that also is maybe a delay of game because you could have given the ball back to the referee. You could have, you know, held on to the ball, done whatever. But that happens in our league all the time, and it's not even talked about. So, if you want to get rid of, to me, the prop stuff and all the extracurricular stuff, then stop having players celebrate every time they catch a ball, catch something, and, and do something with it. Just say the rule, new rule is you got to give it back to the referee as fast as you can. I mean, but you know, at the end of the day, I know that's not going to happen. Um, but I do certainly think the league probably just needs to look at it and decide. I think our league, the one thing about our league that is great is they do listen and they, you know, they hear things, they see things, and they're not opposed to correcting things that people are up in arms about. And so I think there's probably more people that were shocked by the penalty than, than weren't. And, uh, you know, so hopefully it gets changed. But until it does, our players will not do that again, and they can't. Five quarterback sacks against you uh, in the game. I know you were talking earlier today when you were meeting with the media about the fact that uh, it's not all on the offensive line, and those are just stats that always seem to get blamed on the offensive line, but there's way more to quarterback protection than just those five guys, right? Yeah, I mean, our O-line actually played a very good game. Um, they were solid in all phases. Those sacks weren't on them. Uh, you know, they were – one was a good scheme by Montreal. The other ones were our guys not communicating. And like I said, it wasn't the O-line not communicating. It wasn't the O-line being beat physically. It was just, you know, circumstances around the play that our guys needed to communicate better and, and do their jobs. And if they, they do their jobs, that th those aren't sacks, um, you know. But it's kind of like a quarterback. A quarterback gets way too much credit, way too much blame. Obviously, when – people see five sacks, the first thing they want to pin it on is the O-line. And that couldn't have been further from the truth in this game. So, you know, our guys, like I said, they rebounded, I thought, tremendously from the week prior where people were giving heat again on our quarterback getting hit. And again, that game wasn't all on our O-line either. So, you know, our O-line is tough. They're big, they're physical, they do their job, they work extremely hard. And, you know, I'll always rip them if I need to rip them, but when, and I think Gibby would do the same, and they will, they're very honest and upfront, and, but to, to be put blame on when it's not really necessarily their, their deal, you know, that's, that's not right. But again, I, I don't blame anybody for that. Just you've got to, when someone asks you the question, you just answer it, and hopefully they learn.
to a certain extent, it's just simple math, right? They're sending seven, eight guys at a time, and it's hard to, uh, with five guys and some help from the running back, it's just hard to defend against uh, seven or eight guys in, in those situations. Whatever was going on, you certainly made good corrections at halftime because you kind of shut shut it down a little bit in the second half. Yeah, I mean, they're, they're like, again, they were trying to outnumber our protections, and when they bring, if you have five in to protect, they bring six, that's outnumbering you. If you have six in to protect, they bring seven, it's outnumbering you. So... There was a few times where it was six guys coming, and we had five, seven guys coming, and we had six, you know, and quarterback needs to get rid of the ball. But there was other times when they brought seven, we had seven, the eighth guy had to get you, and he's too far away to get you. And that's what should have happened in about three of them, and it didn't because we didn't do our job. So our guys, number-wise, were there. They just didn't get the right guys, and that leads to problems. It leads to problems for the quarterback, nobody else. And we talk about it all the time in our room. Protection is the most important thing we do. Protecting our quarterback is the fundamentally number one thing on our football team that we talk about. And so when you don't do your job, you know, he's the only one that pays for it, not anybody else. On the, as far as you may lose a game because of it, but and then everyone pays the price. But physically, no one pays the price more than a quarterback. So that's how important it is. And I know the guys will correct it and get better at it. And at the end of the day, every play you're in is a learning experience. So it's when you mess up the same things over and over again that, you know, you get – coaches that get upset when you just mess it up I mean geez I mean it's part of football is reacting to things that happen quickly and you know our guys didn't react well enough but again I really believe that that's um, going to help us in the future those types of reps you're listening to the Eskimo coaches show uh, for Mr. Allen Auctioneering more with head coach Jason Moss and we continue on 630 Chet. Morley Scott back with Eskimos head coach Jason Moss on the Coach's Show for Mentioner Allen Auctioneering. The Hamilton Tiger Cats this week. First off, Jason, just address a short week and the problems it presents for you. Uh, it's time. I mean, you don't have enough time to to practice. We've you know we practice today a limited amount just so our guys thinking about the discipline aspect of football, trying to get them on the field when they're a little bit more tired than they should be. You know, when we practice to kind of hear cadences and have to hold their water. Um, you know, feel good about catching balls in your tire. All those little things that we try to do today to emulate end of a game scenarios we did today. Uh, tomorrow's our only real day of practice. I mean, we've, we're going to wrap about 50 rep, 55 reps, and and get as much as done as possible. But for coaches, I mean, we were in the office <laughs> 6 a.m. after that game. We're, we're home at pretty late and trying to get up to put game plans together for this one. Um, Time, time is of the essence on a short week, and you don't have a whole lot of it. So, you know, at the end of the day, you just deal with it and shorten your game plans up, tighten them up, and, you know, get the guys physically and mentally ready as possible to go on the road and, and play. Going to Hamilton to play the Tiger Cats, a team that, that handled you here when they were here earlier in the season. Uh, what did they do well that night, and what do you have to change uh, the way you played to be successful against them in Hamilton this week? Um, I, I, well, first off, I thought their, their offense was – Played extremely well. I thought Jeremiah Mazzoli had a great game. I thought he saw the field well. Um, you know, even when we had him dead to rights a few times, which could have altered how the game would have turned out, he made the plays he needed to make. So I thought they had, they did, he did an extremely good job, but they did a great job in front of him. And then overall, guys catching the balls and schemes. Um, defensively, that was early in the year where, you know, they'd only played a game. So you're trying to figure out a little bit of what they do and what they want to do and what their identity is. Um, I do know this, their front seven is very formidable. They can get pressure on the quarterback very easily. They're very good at it. Um, they've got linebackers that fly around that play well together. Um, they're, 
their secondary. They got one shutdown, a shutdown corner in the boundary that's hard to complete balls on, and the other guys play well within their scheme. So, um, you know, their free safety comes out of the middle a lot. You know, to to help their nickel comes out of the you know stays in the box more. So they they make the box heavier at times and than it usually is. Uh, with the free safety coming out of the middle of the field, they open the middle of the field and invite you to, to take some shots on them, and you're not going to hit every one of them. So you get yourself put into some adverse uh, circumstances on second and long. Um, and then they play a few different coverages that are always hard to beat. So, you know, at the end of the day, um, they play very good as a team, I think, uh, you know, all three phases. Um, you know, they're dangerous with their return game. They have very good, outstanding personnel and their coaches are well respected. So I mean, their schemes are very good and uh, they're a good team and they're well rested coming off their bye. So uh, Hamilton's usually a tough place to play anyways, traveling across the country and they got a great atmosphere to play in. So, um, you know, they got a lot of things going for them. So do we, and you know, the best team's going to win. Uh, go back to that game. You talked about how they kind of, uh, Want, want you to take the deep shot. They kind of set it up for you to take the deep shot. You got to obviously work things differently so you can be a little bit better down low. Yeah, I mean we're gonna we're gonna you know have a game plan put together to to hit them in a lot of different areas, um, but it's a matter of us executing it. Um, will we take our shots? Yes. I mean you take your shots in every single game, um, but not necessarily every time they want to empty the middle of the field. Um, you know we definitely know that that's a possibility that can happen and we'll be prepared for it but at the end of the day I'd rather just you know complete a lot of balls run the ball well protect the quarterback and our guys execute an offense in order to stay on the field to beat their defense so um, you know I know that they're going to be well rested we're going to be just fine and ready to go and so like I said we're going to be ready to play I know that and um, you know regardless of what they bring we'll, we'll bring it as well. Hamilton, Calgary, Calgary, then Ottawa. That's a pretty tough stretch of games for you coming up. Yeah, and I don't really care about the other three. It's one that I matter about that matters this week. So we'll let the others take care of themselves when they get here. But yeah, it's a tough stretch, but uh, one game at a time. Jason, appreciate your time as always tonight. Uh, thanks very much, and uh, good luck to you this week as you prepare for the Hamilton Tiger Cats. Perfect. Thank you. All right. Uh, we got the game for you, of course, on Thursday night. It's a 5.30 kickoff, 4 o'clock for the countdown to kickoff here on 6.30. Chad. That's the Eskimos Coaches Show tonight. My name is Morley Scott. Have a great night, everybody.